Good morning. I trust it was an early morning for you as well. Uh, we got up early to get those Yosemite sites. Um, we actually lucked out and got one, so um, we're going. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, this morning, uh, I'd like to continue with something that we talked about a few weeks back, and that is the study of the, the Holy Spirit. Um, we're going to kind of expound on that a little bit this morning. And uh, the, the study of the Holy Spirit is, uh, is referred to as pneumatology. Um, I won't be using that word that much because I don't, I don't really understand it completely. But uh, it is, it, we will be talking about um, the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Uh, but to briefly recap, we'll, we'll go over what we talked about last time uh, to kind of uh, refresh ourselves. Um, before salvation, the Holy Spirit does a work in the lives of people um, through conviction. Um, in John uh, 16, 8 through 11, uh, it says that he convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, um, of sin. And, and the question that we asked last time was um, the question that, that um, Jesus asked his disciples, um, who do you say that I am? Um, and that's the, that's the gospel question. Who do you say that the Lord Jesus Christ is? Um, uh, the, the next one uh, is righteousness. And uh, the Spirit convicts us of righteousness um, because we've fallen short of God's perfect standard. Um, uh, his Son came and lived a perfect life, and that's something we're going to be dwelling on this morning. Um, and we have fallen short of that perfection. And, and the Spirit convicts us of this. And lastly, um, of judgment. And, and that's the judgment and, and that, that message that um, without Christ... Um, without putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're on your way to a lost eternity, uh, separated from him forever. Um, this happens before salvation. This is what the Spirit does. He pushes us, and he guides us, and, and he convicts us. Um, at the point of salvation, there are several things that take place. Um, it's very complex, and it's at that moment of salvation. Um, the first thing that takes place, or, or one of the things that takes place, is we're regenerated. Um, something that we've been looking at on Wednesday night, um, John chapter 3, um, the fact that every person, uh, man, woman, or child, any, any person that's ever walked the face of this earth um, was born dead spiritually. Um, we, um, we, are, we are born that way. It's, it's, it's within us. And um, at that point of salvation, um, when you come to that saving knowledge of who Jesus is, um, you're regenerated, you were born again. Uh, at that same time as well, you are indwelt by the Spirit. Um, your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit, and, and He comes and dwells with you and um, promises never to leave you. Um, and and that's, uh, we, we see that in John chapter 14. Um, the, the next thing that takes place is we are baptized um, and into the body of Christ um, by the Spirit. We become a member of of that body, we, come, we become a member of that universal church. Um, uh, and uh, continuing on, we are sealed. Uh, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. And, and, and it's the idea that we looked at was the idea, I always thought of a seal was like a, I don't know, like a Tupperware or a Ziploc bag, but it's actually the seal uh, of like a king's ring and his signet ring that he would put in that hot wax and then place on that letter. And that seal represented all the power 
that was uh, behind the king. And the same way that the Holy Spirit seals us, um, his sealing um, behind that sealing represents all the power of the Godhead. Um, so we are sealed until the day of redemption. Um, he is our earnest and our guarantee. Um, he, uh, we have an inheritance as soon as we, uh, at that moment of salvation, we are given an eternal inheritance. Um, and then uh, lastly, we are given a gift. Just like at the point of conception for human beings, um, uh, speaking physically, um, we are given specific talents, um, uh, abilities, and that, that, that is given to us at the moment of conception, and then is, 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 um, as we grow up, we, we learn to develop those gifts, um, but there's a difference between physical talents and spiritual gifts, and at that moment that we are saved, at that point of salvation, we are given a spiritual gift, um, some more than others, and um, we, are, we are called and, and we are um, encouraged by the Spirit to use that gift for the glory of God. And then after salvation, what takes place, um, all this takes place at salvation, and then what follows. Um, the Spirit teaches us. Um, it says he will guide us in truth, in all truth. Um, he opens our eyes and gives us understanding of the word of God, and, um, and we are encouraged through that. Um, he also uh, guides us through life. Um, he guides every step that we take, um, and, and he leads us as the Bible says, into the path of righteousness. Um, this is the guiding power or the guiding work of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then the, uh, the assurance. Um, the Holy Spirit gives us the assurance. Um, and, there, and we looked at that three-pronged test or that, um, the, the threefold witness of the, of the assurance that we have of, of our salvation. And the first one is the strongest test, and that's the Word of God. Um, that, that's what guards our, our hearts and our minds, and, and, and it's just the strongest witness because it's the truth. Um, then the next witness um, is the, uh, the, it's an objective test, and it's the, the test of a changed life. Um, after salvation, um, we, we're different. Uh, we're, we're born again. Um, we think things differently, and, and our eyes are open to things in the Word of God. And the last one is the subjective test, or that's the inward witness. This is the weakest of the three, but it's still a, a witness in itself, and, and that's our thoughts and our feelings. Um, oftentimes, we lean more on those than we should, and, and we, we tend to feel saved at times, and then sometimes we don't feel saved. Um, and that's the weakest of the three, but it is a, it is a, um, it is a witness of the of what takes place after salvation and the assurance that we have. And then um, prayer, he, he helps us in our prayer. Um, he guides us in prayer when we don't know how to pray as we ought. The one we're going to be talking about today and the one we're going to be spending the, the, the rest of the, this morning and then this evening on, and we're going to be talking about the filling of the Spirit and, and what takes place and, and, and uh, how we can be filled uh, and con or controlled by the Spirit, and then what is the evidence of a spirit-filled or a spirit-controlled life. Um, so if you turn in your Bibles to the book of Galatians, this is uh, going to be our text for, for both, both meetings, um, the book of Galatians in chapter 5. Um, the book of Galatians is a, uh, a letter uh, written to the church of Galatia by Paul, and uh, just a brief background, um, Paul, or, or the, the, 
the message of the gospel and, and um, the message of the Christian life is under attack at this point. Um, Paul is dealing with the, the, um, the issue of, of flesh versus the spirit. Um, Paul establishes, in, in the first two chapters, Paul establishes his authority, um, his apostolic authority, um, the fact that he was uh, commissioned by Christ himself. Um, he lays that out. In chapters 3 and 4, he proves um, that a person is justified by faith alone, apart from works of the law. Um, this, is, this is the key. This is what was under attack. And um, uh, we, aren't, we aren't justified by the law, and nor are we kept by the law. And this is something that, um, that Paul brings forth, and that, that it, it is faith in Christ alone that, keeps, that saves us and keeps us. And, and, and uh, just real quickly, we'll look at this. In, in Galatians 3, in verse uh, 2 through 3, uh, this only I want, uh, I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? So here Paul brings, brings out the fact that um, not only we're we not saved by the flesh, but we're not perfected, or, or saved by the law, but we're not perfected by keeping the law either. Um, so then the, it, it begs the question to the reader and to the, the Church of Galatia, well then how then are we supposed to live? Um, what are we supposed to do? If we're not, if we're not to keep the law, if that's, if that's not what Paul's uh, stressing here, how are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to please God with our life? And then in uh, verse, chapters 5 and 6, and chapter 5 being the one we're going to be focusing on, Paul shows that a life um, for God is only accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so we're going to continue our study of the Holy Spirit this, this morning and this evening. Um, how do we, uh, the, 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 the two questions again are going to be, how, do we, how are we to give the Spirit control of our lives? How do we surrender or, or let Him and, and allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And what happens when we do? What are the, the results? And as you can kind of um, guess, we'll be um, looking at the fruit of the Spirit um, in both meetings. Uh, again, the problem of the church in Galatia was this false doctrine um, that it was works of the law versus um, a Spirit-filled life or versus the fruit of the Spirit. And, and notice, and, and we'll... we'll, we'll uh, We'll open up and read um, just the ch uh, Galatians chapter 5. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have been estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. 
And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not know the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you now, I told you in time past, that you, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Let's just look to the Lord one more time. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we again thank you uh, for this time that we have to open your word. And Father, we just pray um, that your uh, spirit uh, would do the teaching. And Father, um, that uh, we'd have a sense of, of, of your presence here. Father, that as we look at this, this idea of, of filling, of, of being filled by the spirit and, and what the fruit of the spirit is, Father, we just pray, Lord, that um, we would go forth, that we would show these um, to the world. And Father, um, as a result, you would get all the glory and the honor that you deserve. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. So uh, this problem and, and, and of, of works of the law or, keep, or law keeping versus um, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And notice, notice the, the, the words that Paul uses here works of the flesh. Um, this is the idea of man, man's energy, something that man does, whereas we have the fruit of the Spirit. And, and we, we all know the, the, the picture that Paul's painting here and, the, and the, the imagery that he uses is um, fruit doesn't come forth by our forcing the fruit out of the tree. We can't squeeze the trunk and make the fruit pump out. It, it's it's a, a work that is done with inside of the tree. And this is the idea of the fruit of the Spirit. It's something that comes out from within. Um, uh, the false teaching was that the law was necessary for godly living, um, and its precepts were to help all live a good life. Um, and faith in God without the law must lead to lawlessness and immorality. Um, so this is what was being preached to this church, and Paul, Paul's writing this letter in correction to that. Um, Paul's answer to this, this teaching, this false teaching, was to live a spirit-filled life. And um, there's, a, there's a quote here um, by, by William Booth that I like. It says, The greatness of a man's power is measured 
by his surrender. It's not through the works of the flesh, it's not through the power of man, but it's through the yielding to the Spirit. Um, and, and this struggle that we see and that he lays out here, um, more specifically in verses 17 uh, through 18, this, this, this struggle between flesh and the Spirit um, is something that Paul digs deeply into, in, 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 as we all have heard before, in, in Romans 7 and 8. So I'd like to turn briefly over to Romans chapter 7 to kind of get a better understanding of this struggle here. Romans chapter 7 and verse 4, it says, Therefore, my brethren, you also have, been, have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to one another, to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law and having died to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Here we see God's desire for the believer is to bear fruit to God. Um, and we could not do this before. Um, everything that we did, whether it be good or bad, we were bearing fruit to death. Um, in verse 5, it's in the flesh, um, the spirit, the sinful passions that are aroused by the law. What does Paul mean here by this? Well, all of us uh, drove over here this morning. Some of us took the freeway. Some of us took side streets. Um, when we get on the freeway and we see that speed limit sign that says 65, what do we set our cruise control to? 70. But we all do. Um, and and the the the... The example that's always used is that sign when you go into the Sunday school building and it says wet paint, don't touch, you know, especially for us guys, we want to know, well, does that sign need to be up there anymore? So let's just touch it to find out and uh, we, we break that law too. And it's that law that arouses that sinful nature that we have, that flesh to break the law. And that's what it, that's what it did here. Um, but we've been delivered from the law and we're no longer held by it. He says in verse 6, and we're dead to the law. Um, now, does this mean that we just throw the law out and we're lawless? We live lawlessly. Um, we know that um, in chapter 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Um, we know that we're not to live a lawless life. But then we come into this question of if we're not supposed to obey the, or, or follow the law, observe the law, and we're not held by the law, then how are we supposed to live a life that honors God? Um, and that's, that's what we'll be looking at this morning. Um, um, what God intended was in, in uh, the end of verse 6, or uh, chapter 7 of Romans in verse 6, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. This is something that um, I, we use at work a lot. All of us in here appreciate and love the spirit of the law, especially when you did set your cruise control to 70 and that CHP officer's hiding uh, camouflage under the bridge with his radar gun and uh, he pulls you over. Um, uh, for me at work, um, I have a test. And, and you, you, can pass that you can pass or fail that test within the first three or four seconds of the traffic stop. 
um, is I walk up to your window and uh, there's, there's a couple answers that I'm looking or responses that I'm looking for and there's one or two that I know that you're gonna fail and if, if, if you say, why'd you pull me over, you need the letter of the law and that's, and that's uh, but, but for those that are respectful and, and I can see that, you know, uh, you know, I was just, I'm running late to work and I saw the sign and I'm sorry and, you know, then I can use the spirit of the law and they, because they understand the law. They understand why it's there and they understand the spirit of it. Um, and this is what, this is what God has, has set forth in us. Now, that being said, when we are filled with the spirit, and when, the, and when you have a spirit-controlled life, you're going to obey the law. When you love your brother, you're not going to, and, and this is what he lays out in, in Galatians 5, 4, uh, 5.14, you're not going to, he says all the law is fulfilled in this one word, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and that's, that's how the law is, that's the spirit of the law, that's what God is intended for us. Um, so we're, we're given the key, um, we're given the key, um, this doesn't come out of ourselves. We cannot do this out, out of ourselves. If you look in uh, chapter 8 and verse 8, it says that those who are in the flesh, okay, so outside of Christ in the flesh, cannot please God. And we can't please God in the flesh. If we do things out of the flesh, God is not pleased. Um, it, even though, let's say it's in service to him, so-called service to him, um, stacking the chairs, but we're doing it out of a spirit of, I just, I, I, you know, I was asked to do it or whatever, grudgingly. And we're not, we're not, we're doing it out of the flesh now. God's not pleased. And we can't do anything that pleases God in the flesh. Um, the, the, word, uh, the word said says that the flesh cannot please God. And so then why do we, as Christians, continue to try to do things in the flesh? Um, and that's the question I've been asking myself recently. Um, the key is in the spirit. Um, Galatians, and especially the book of Ephesians, um, lays out the keys to this, the keys to a God godly living. And in Galatians 5.16, he says, walk in the spirit. In verse uh, 18, he says, be led by the spirit. In verse 25, he says, we are to live in the spirit. And then in, in the end of the chapter, he says, we are to sow to the Spirit. Um, so turn, turn back to Galatians 5 and verse 16. <clears throat> Galatians 5 and 16. Um, he says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not, shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. Um, that, that battle that takes place in us every day. Um, they're at odds with one another. Um, again, our, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, um, he says, uh, your spirit is willing, um, but your, uh, he says, are, are, you are willing, but your flesh is weak. And, and um, they're contrary to one another. Um, Paul pointed this out in, in Romans 5. He says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I don't practice. But what I hate to do, that I do. And it's that battle, that constant battle that takes place in us each and every day. Um, so Galatians 5.16, he says, walk in the spirit. Ephesians uh, chapter 5 um, tells us how we are to walk as believers or to walk in the spirit. 
um, in, verse, in, in Ephesians 5, verse 2, and I'll read it for the sake of time. It's, he says to walk in love. Um, we are to walk in love. And, and this is what we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this later. Um, Ephesians 5, 8, he says, walk as children of the light. And then in Ephesians 5, 15, he says, walk circumspectly or carefully, um, not as fools, but as wise. Um, we could spend a lot of time on each one of those, but we're going to focus on the last one, and that's Ephesians 5.18. And he says, uh, And do not be filled, or do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. This is a command given to us by God. So, that, what that means is, um, and this is, this is a command given to be controlled by the Spirit, instead of by an outside influence, um, and he uses the example of wine here, um, uh, or, an, or a controlling agent. Um, so if, if God commands us to be filled with the Spirit, and we're not, then we're in partial disobedience here, because it's a command given to us. <sighs> filling of the Spirit. What, what does the filling of the Spirit mean? Uh, Lewis Schaefer puts it this way. He says, it's not a matter of acquiring more of the Spirit, but rather of the Spirit of God acquiring all of the individual. Um, it's allowing the Holy Spirit access to every part of our life, our thoughts, our feelings, our, our, our occupation, our relationships. It's, it's allowing him to permeate every aspect of our life and not to have that, as we'll look at an example later, not to have that little closet or drawer that we keep to ourselves that, we, you know, Holy Spirit's allowed in, in every room of our life except for that room right there. That's when I'm going to keep closed. That's not filling of the Spirit. Filling of the Spirit is all doors open, all drawers open, and allowing Him to move through us freely. Um, so there's four steps to being filled with the Spirit. Um, the first couple are negative. Um, and uh, we'll look at these. Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 7 and verse 51 uh, this is the story or the, the account of uh, Stephen as he was uh, about to be martyred. And this is the message that he gives to, the, uh, to the, the angry mob that was about to kill him. And he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you will always, and here's the key, resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Um, the, first, the first step into being filled with the Holy Spirit is to not resist the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and this, in context, Stephen is speaking to unbelievers. He's speaking to people that aren't saved. Um, but we as believers can resist the Holy Spirit too. Um, we have those promptings in us. Um, and, and oftentimes we will hear a message, we're convicted, we know what we should do, and we resist and we don't do what we should do. Um, uh, it says later in, in a couple verses down in verse 54 that they were cut to the heart. Um, that means that they understood what was being said. They were convicted. They knew what was going on. And yet they continued with their, their evil deed anyways. Um, and again, as we hear message after message, week after week, conference after conference, and as the Lord puts his finger on something in our lives, um, we need to change it. We need to not resist it. We need to be doers and not hearers only, as we often pray. Um, the next one is to quench not. Uh, first one, resist not. The next one is to quench not. 
the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it's a short verse, so I'll just quote it for you. Do not quench the Spirit. That's as simple as that. Um, what does quenching of the Spirit mean? Um, it's this idea of, of a fire that's being started, and, and you smolder it or you choke it, and then it's out. Um, and and uh, we are to not quench or to quench not the Holy Spirit. And, and this is simply saying no um, to the Holy Spirit. Not only are we resisting it and just kind of walking the other way, but now we're, we're actually putting out what the work that the Holy Spirit has started in us. Um, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but um, sometimes I'm in conversations with people, and I know they need to hear the gospel. I just know it, and I have this feeling, this strong urge inside of me that I need to either share it with them, give them a track, do something, and for whatever reason, I don't. And then I walk away, and they walk away, and I just have this tremendous feeling and just guilt inside of me that I knew that that was the Holy Spirit telling me to tell that person, and for whatever reason, I didn't do it. Um, that's quenching the Holy Spirit. Um, that's something that we need to confess, to repent, to confess, and to, and to, to, to not do. Um, we need to not quench the Holy Spirit. Um, the next one is to grieve not the Holy Spirit. Um, Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Um, we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, when the Holy Spirit is grieved in a believer, the fellowship, guidance, and instruction um, uh, and the power that the Holy Spirit gives are hindered. Um, fellowship is broken. Guidance is broken. Um, instruction is broken. Um, the, the Holy Spirit, although he's indwelling each and every believer, he's not able to accomplish what he wants to do in your life um, and to, 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 to do the work that he has set out to do. And this is when we, when we grieve the Holy Spirit. Again, this comes up with sin in our life. Um, we need to confess that sin, to forsake it, to, to restore that fellowship that we have with the Father, and then from then on, um, we can move forward. But we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, so the first three were, were negative. Um, this last one is positive, and it's the verse we looked at in, in Galatians 5.16, and he says, um, we are to walk in the Spirit. Um, and if we do this, there's a promise attached, you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Um, that's the promise that is given. Um, the, the, the Christian standard in this life is, is set very high. Um, Christ set that standard. And we as Christians, we as believers, cannot come to that standard or we cannot meet that standard without the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, it, 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 again, uh, we cannot do anything in our flesh to attain to that level or to that standard. Um, uh, walking by the Spirit is an act of faith. It's, it's, it's trusting the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do. Um, and this is something that's, that comes up later as we look at the fruit of the Spirit. Um, how do you love someone who's unlovable? How are you good when everything around you is bad? And this is, this is walking in the Spirit. This is allowing Him to do what only He can do through us and in His power. Um, uh, these, these four things are things that we have control over. These are things that we either choose to do or choose not to do. Um, we are not helpless in this situation. Um, we, we make active decisions to do these things, to, to grieve, to quench, to, to resist. Um, and and uh, our old nature, and then Paul goes into great 
depth in Romans in talking about how we're free from that old nature and, and we're, we're making active decisions for this. So it's, it's in our control and we make the decisions um, and we shouldn't forsake these things. Um, we, should, we should do them. Um, each day, every day when we wake up, it's a clean slate. The Bible says that uh, his mercies are new every morning. In fact, even every situation that we are in, every new situation that we're in each day is a clean slate. You might have messed up back there. This is a new, this is a new situation, all right? And, and we, we move forward um, in that um, through the power of the Spirit. <clears throat> um, biblical examples, and we'll go through this quickly. Um, biblical examples of being filled or spirit-filled or spirit-controlled, um, the, the, the one that everybody thinks about is, is in the book of Acts, chapter 2, and, and that's the, 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 the birth of the church, and some have even called it the dispensation of the Spirit, where the Holy Spirit came and, and did a mighty work in that place and, and filled each person, and they were able to perform miracles. Um, it also took place in the Old Testament, although the Old Testament at time it was a filling of the Spirit at times, um, it wasn't a, a permanent uh, indwelling, and this was used in the, uh, the artisans or the, the, the builders of the temple. It says the, in Exodus chapter 28 that they were filled with the Spirit in order to um, create these things. And um, uh, it's, it's the, the end result of the filling of the Holy Spirit is the glory of God. Um, in, the, in, in the temple, it was used to create um, decorative pieces and to, um, but these, these, these furniture items and, and utensils were used to glorify God. Um, the same way that the, the filling of the Spirit today is used to glorify God. When we love each other, when we love the, our enemies, um, when we do these things, the Lord receives the glory for it. Um, Okay, um, uh, moving on, uh, it's, it's not about obeying the law, but it is about walking in the Spirit. Um, oftentimes, I think, and, and, and Paul, and, uh, turn, sorry, back to the book of uh, Galatians. Um, Paul makes a big list here um, of, of the works of the flesh. And he does so uh, for, for a couple reasons, but for one is to contrast, contrast the fruits of the Spirit. Um, when we see and when we lay out this list of the works of the flesh and compare them to the fruit of the Spirit, um, the, the, the contrast is in, in, incredible. Um, and, and, and it's also, we see what our flesh is capable of and, and what our flesh is good for. Um, and, and I think oftentimes in, in the church today and in, in even in our lives, um, we, attack, um, we attack the branches of a tree that are sin. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll attack, and, and this is in obeying the law versus um, being filled by the Spirit. We'll, we'll attack branches of the tree, and instead of tackling the trunk or the root of the problem, which is the sin, the actual sin nature in itself, um, you know, uh, keep obeying, uh, obeying the law versus being filled with the Spirit. Um, you can disobey the law outwardly, and everybody sees it. But on the flip side, you can also obey the law outwardly, and, and in your heart, you're, 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 you're full of sin. 
um, you know, uh, and this is, this is perfectly brought out in, in the, uh, the life of the Pharisee, who outwardly, they look pretty good. But as Jesus rebukes that tree that outwardly looked good, but bared no fruit, um, we see that also in the life of the Pharisee, how outwardly they, they lived a good life, you know, and, and we can compare it in modern day terms. They went to church, they prayed, they read their Bible. Outwardly, they looked good, um, but inwardly, uh, on the inside, that was the problem. And I think this is what we need to, to be focused on. Um, you know, God didn't create robots to just simply obey the law and to mechanically worship him. Um, again, he talks about the spirit of the law, the heart of the individual, the person that's inside, and that's what he, he wants. He doesn't want um, just simple obedience through the law out of fear of judgment, but he wants us to obey the law out of love for him and for his people. Um, he desires to be, that we be filled. Um, this, this list that we have in verse um, uh, 20, or 19 and 20, through, through 21, um, we're not going to, to dwell upon, um, but it is a list of works of the flesh. Um, and, and it's interesting how Paul clumps these together. Uh, the first three or four, depending on your translation, uh, some combine the word adultery in with fornication. Um, but the first three or four uh, deal with sexual sin. Adultery, fornication, uncleansingness, lewdness. This is the work of the flesh. The next two deal with pagan religion or, or idolatry. Um, and sorcery. Uh, the next eight or nine, again, depending on your translation, some, some have removed murder um, from this list, but they deal with social sins, sins that we commit against one another. And then the last two deal with drinking um, and, 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 or drunkenness and revelries. Um, and this is the work of the flesh. Um, the key to this list here, because I think you know, uh, it, it, might look, it might look bad, and as we read this list, we can see ourselves perhaps in some of these things um, at times. But the, the key to this list is at the end of verse 21, and it says, those who practice such things um, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, practicing sin. Um, this, is, this is speaking of the unbeliever, someone who cannot do anything, again, like Romans 8, 8, they cannot do anything to please God. And those who practice these things, who continuously do these things, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what happens when we slip up? What happens um, when, we, when, we, when we fall? And it's not a practice, but we do, we do fall into that. It's addressed in, in chapter 6. And verse 1, it says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Um, so the, the, the difference between that Paul contrasts here is the difference between practicing sin versus being overtaken in a sin or, a, or an occasional um, a slip up. Um, again, it's, it's we're told to, um, to restore that brother, to bring him. And you can't restore something that was never a part of anything before. You cannot bring something back that was never part of that, that, um, that body before. Um, so he says, restore such a brother in the spirit of gentleness. Um, so from here on out and, and for the rest of uh, this evening, we're going to be looking at the fruit of the spirit. Um, in ver uh, beginning in verses 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control. Against such there is no law. Um, th this word, and we've heard this before, it's not fruits of the Spirit, but it's singular. It's fruit of the Spirit. And the reason why Paul says this is to show the unity that each one of these characteristics has with each other. Um, th that they're all connected. Um, there's nine qualities here, and they're broken up into three groups, and, and I think we've all heard messages on this before, but uh, the first three would be Godward, um, those things that we are towards God, and that is love, joy, and peace. Um, the next one is Manward, or our dealings with, with, uh, with each other, and that's long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. And then the last one is our inward um, fruit, or uh, deals with the inward man, and that's faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. The question is, why should we show the fruit of the Spirit? Uh, why, why is this important uh, in the life of a believer? Um, uh, it, and it's not just a list of, of good things that Paul says that we should aspire to, um, but, but it's, it's something that we are commanded to be um, and to have. Uh, Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Again, this is the, this is the point, this is the purpose of the fruit of the Spirit, is to, to glorify the Father. Um, Um, as we look of, as we look and continue to look at this, the, the, the fruit of the spirit, um, uh, the spirit knows what kind of fruit the father likes, and that's the fruit or the or the qualities or the characters, characteristics that remind uh, the father of his son. And so, as we go through each one tonight and and, and for the rest of the time here, um, we're going to be reminded of the one who lived this out perfectly, um, without fault. Um, and, and it's often said that uh, the spirit-filled man is a Christ-occupied man, um, one who constantly dwells on the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so let's look at the first one briefly, and then and we'll continue uh, this evening. And that's the, the, the first one mentioned here is love. Um, this is per, perhaps the greatest one uh, that Paul gives us. Uh, it's, it's, it's so powerful that the entire law can be summed up with this one characteristic. And then we see that in verse 14, that the entire law is, is, is summed up in this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, some commentators have suggested that there's actually a colon after this, love, this uh, word love here, and that the rest are just a list or a description of that love. Uh, they draw this from the, the correlation that, that we see that just pops out to us of 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, love suffers long. Um, there's, a, there's a strong connection. Um, either way, we're going to look at all of them. Um, but love is an attribute of God. It's who he is. 1 John 4.16 says, God is love. And it says, uh, his children please him only so far as they are like him and as they walk in love that we read about in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, I have a quote here by R.C. Chapman who says, True heavenly love has its life and root in the cross of Christ. It has the single eye and is its 
own recompense, endures in gratitude, and s survives indifference and contempt, has a quick sense of wrongs, but is ready to forgive, and covers a multitude of sins. The love we speak of is meek and lowly, behaves itself wisely and edifies, bearing with the foolish and self-conceited while it shuns their folly. This holy love is the durable work of the Spirit of God. It proves faithful in wintry days and ever ready to rejoice with them that do rejoice, adds gladness to their days of sunshine. Uh, this love here is, is an agape love. It's an unconditional love or love without condition. Um, it, it, it reacts independent of the actions um, that, are, that are presented to it. Um, and it. And it loves no matter what. Um, this, this kind of love is the kind of love that goes against nature. Um, in Matthew 5.44, and I'll read it um, quickly. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, and do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Um, here, speaking in the context of this, in the light of verse 15, where he says, don't bite and devour one another, um, it's also a love for the saints. And it says in, in, at, um, that we are to be good. Um, in in uh, chapter 6, verse 10, it says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us to do good to all, but especially to those in the household of faith. So it's, it's a love for our enemies. It's a love for those that, that persecute us and cause us harm, which is impossible in, in and of ourselves. But it's also a love for each other, for the household of faith, a love that builds up, a love that edifies, a love that encourages. Um, I'm, I'm going to end with this. It's another quote from, from Chapman. It says, If we would love... If we would so love all saints as to please God, we must bear in mind that their names are written in heaven and on Christ's heart. Otherwise, we shall love some because they are lovely and dislike others because of their blemishes. Uh, to keep in mind that each one of us are, are, are written on his hearts, and it says our names are written on his hands, and every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ um, we're going to spend all eternity with them. And we need to love them and treat them and love them. And we'll look at this tonight. Love them the way that God loves them and through his, through his power. Um, let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you once again uh, for your son. Um, Father, he is that perfect display of love. Um, Father, the one who came and who left the heights of heaven and to come to this earth to be cruelly treated by his creation. And Father, he loved us unto death. And Father, we have him as our perfect example of how we are to love. And Father, we admit um, that we can't do this on our own. Um, but Father, you have given us not only the, the, the word of God, you've given us an example, but Father, you also give us the power to do these things, and that's through your spirit. Father, we ask for that power, and we pray that we would we would all be filled with the Spirit. Um, and Father, again, as we prayed, it would be to your honor and your glory. We pray these things in your Son's worthy and precious name. Amen.